You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I dropped an amazing episode with Dom Grimal of The Last Felony, Ion Dissonance, and Cryptopsy. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Hey everybody on the internet, welcome to another episode of the ToneMob.com podcast, the show where we talk about guitar tone and the people behind it. Today we are at the home of Chris Benson of Benson Amps, and uh, yeah, should have a good time here. What's up internet people? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, those crazy internet people. So what's been going on, man? Oh man, just... uh... Quite a bit, actually. I've got a. I quit my job. Yeah, that's that's the goal, isn't it? That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So I was, I've been an amp tech for about seven years now, and uh, I finally, <clears throat> you know, the new amps have gotten to a place where I can, I can step away from that uh, comfortably, and uh, and just put put all my efforts into the uh, the new business. So. That's fantastic. So it's like, uh, we've, we've talked about a lot of this before, and uh, you, uh, you've you been doing the amp repair for a long time, and that's how I got to know you, mm-hmm. and uh, eventually bought my Monarch, which I'm, is my main my main go-to. But, uh, that's what I like to hear. Do, doing a little digging, uh, you started at Varellen in Seattle, um, mm-hmm. which is... As most people know them today, a dramatic departure from what you kind of do as amps. Uh, yeah. So Ben does the heavy loud, you know, Hesher kind of amps, uh, 100 watts and up. I mean, he's got a 300 watt guitar amp. Yeah, it's so insane. The Meat awesome. Smoke Overdrive, awesome. which is a fantastic amplifier. Um, and when I was working up there, we had a lot of fun kind of putting those together and doing all sorts of tweaks. But, uh, you know, my, my favorite kind of guitar amp is something a lot different, which is uh, I really like the, the kind of low wattage power tube saturation style amplifiers, um, the, the ones that compress and can do the dirty clean thing really well, or, or just the clean thing. Yeah. And uh, most people, I, well, there's most types of music, I should say, don't actually need a 100 watt and up amplifier. And some just do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, that's pretty obvious. The types that do need it are pretty clear. But, like you say, it's not needed most of the time. Although it is pretty fun, regardless of as far as a guitar player goes. It is pretty fun <laughs> to do that it's, once in a while. It's uh, all right. Blow your face off just uh, once every three months or so, just because. But, uh, yeah, the... Uh, the wattage range that the Monarch in it is in is 
substantially more manageable, obviously. Yep. Um, we are the Monarch's 15 watts, and we're doing a... Uh, we're actually coming out with a 30-watt, which might be called the Dual Monarch. It might be called something else. Um, oh, really? It's going to be a... Going to be a pretty much the same circuit, just more tubes. Nice. That'll be oh man, that's gonna be cool. I didn't know that was coming out. That's gonna be awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's, we've been kind of developing it over the last few months, and I got the transformers today. Oh Stack really? Mercury magnetics sitting downstairs, and I've got the chassis. Chassis are probably a couple weeks away, and yeah, we're we're getting really close. <laughs> oh, really man. excited about it. People are gonna. I think people are gonna super dig that. That's yeah. pretty awesome. Yeah, I you know, there's just some people who fifteen watts isn't isn't loud enough. That's that's not me in in ninety nine percent of cases, but uh <laughs> it's uh I, I I mean, since you're the amp guy, and maybe you can explain this to me because I'm flunky guitar player, <laughs> uh how come some fifteen watt quote unquote amplifiers are so much louder sounding not just i mean you plug it in the same cab i know speaker efficiency has things to do with that but yep. there are some 15 watt amps that are labeled 15 watts and that are way louder than others that are labeled at 15 watts is, is that what's that all about well there's a couple different reasons <clears throat> one is that you know the so-called 15 watt amplifier is only putting out 12 or 13 watts like most Princetons are actually only putting about 13 watts. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, and uh, and they have a pretty imbalanced phase inverter for the most part when they start distorting, and that'll cut down in your headroom. Um, and then the cabinet construction speakers are are another reason. I, I use the, uh, the pine cabinets, uh, which are really resonant, sort of like the body of an acoustic guitar, and uh, it they actually make the sound significantly louder because the whole thing's just ringing. Um, and then okay. the speaker efficiency is kind of uh, an element of that as well. Uh, speakers can be wildly louder um, handling the same wattage, the same output. Um, you know, the, I use some Weber speakers, uh, the Almico Webers, and those are way quieter than some of the ceramic stuff that I use. Then some Almico are actually louder than the ceramic, so... It really just has to do with speaker choice. That's very interesting. Yeah, because I have that Jensen in mine, and it's it's that's a pretty loud cab. No matter what, I mean, I got other fifteen watt heads I've plugged into it, and uh, it's a it's a pretty loud cab. I it, and yeah. I, you think that has to do with the resonance more or the, the speaker? The resonance and that speaker is actually extremely efficient for an Almico as well. Just part of the reason I like the Jensens. Or <clears throat> that particular Jensen. That's pretty much the only Jensen that I do like. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, it's that. It's just a combination. That thing. That thing is stinking loud. That's my favorite. Uh, favorite speaker right now. For uh, my amps. I'm. I'm digging that thing. I plugged it in with a lot of different amps, and I'm super stoked on that. That cab and speaker combo right now. It's. It's really been it for me. Um, yeah, a lot of people think they don't like out the Almico because it's you know it, it can lack low end and be inefficient. You know, all, all the old Jensens were like that. Yeah. Um, so people are like, I don't like Almico, but there's some that are they don't they don't have to be inefficient. They can actually be loud. The Celestian Gold's a really good example of that. Um, 
and the uh, the Jensen P12N, the new one, 100 watt, mm -hmm. is another great speaker for that. Nice. Yours is the P12, What what's in that, the cab I have, I'm trying to think. A P12N. It is the N, yep. okay. I, anybody listen to the last episode will hear me scratching my head going, Pete, um, <laughs> who? I can't remember, but I put it in the show notes, so they've already figured that out. It's a little confusing, because <clears throat> the old P12N was actually a 50-watt speaker. Oh, okay. And they're probably using a different voice coil material for the new ones. It's just, it's, a, it's a totally different speaker, but it still has an Alnico sound. Oh. It's just a lot louder. That's very interesting, because it seems like they... They put some effort into making it look like a oh yeah and and be kind of a quote unquote reissue of the original. So I I found that that's pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I did not realize that was a hundred watt speaker. Yep. Straight up, <laughs> that'll handle a plexi. That's great. <laughs> Good to know. That opens me up to way more experimentation than I thought I had. That's awesome. So, <clears throat> let's see. One of the classic questions uh, that I've been asking is, uh, it's kind of unrelated to technical stuff, but I've been asking people what their uh, dream guitar rig oh. is, starting from the guitar and kind of going on. <laughs> uh, if you just, you know, were flush, like no one's business. Okay. Well, you know, that's kind of a <clears throat> a weird question to ask an amplifier builder. Yes, because yeah, I understand. I designed the amp basically for for myself. Mm -hmm. The Monarch amp, the the Tallbird Reverb, and I was a bass player for years. The Gnostic bass amp too. Um, I'm gonna have to go with the Monarch amp. Can't argue that. I mean, I myself cannot possibly argue that because that's my favorite amp right now. So there we go. My favorite, uh, you know, my dream guitar would probably be. Uh, Mid '60s, you know, Gibson ES335 with a big speed. <laughs> oh yes, uh, that that would be amazing. I like the I like the feedback that Holly Bado, ho, ugh, hollow bodies offer. Mm -hmm. And you know, I don't I don't like distortions or overdrive so much, um, but I I do like fuzzes, and uh, I would have to say, probably, you know. A, a, a vintage Big Muff or a vintage Fuzz Face, gotcha. which I know are wildly different. But, right. Um, I don't want to say Echoplex. Probably Space Echo in there somewhere. Space Echo? I like, okay. I like Space Echoes a lot. Nice. Um, what else would be in my dream rig? I mean, I could get crazy and just say plate reverb, but... <laughs> right. Hey, that counts if you're in the studio. That could be part of a dream. I mean, or, you know, in Pink Floyd. I actually have a buddy who welds who, who I think uh, we're going to start making some plate reverbs. Oh, really? Yep, some old EMT clones. And I have a couple guys with studios in town who kind of kind of are into the idea. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so I think it might happen because they're actually pretty simple. You, you got all you got all kinds of things up your sleeve. It's, uh... I have more ideas than time. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool. Oh, so with plates, I personally I know plate sound, mm -hmm. but plate operation is something I've never looked into. I don't. Oh like, really? Yeah. I yeah. It's it's a simple thing. I know it. I know there's not much to it. I but with tape, I get the 
I get how that works. Mm -hmm. Plates, I'm sure a lot of people listening will be like, well, you idiot. I know how that is. All right. But tell me more, please. Intro to plate reverb for dummies. Mm -hmm. Not saying you're a dummy, but... But I am, so that's all right. (laughs) So a plate will have some sort of uh, driver that will be driven by an amp, just like anything else. Mm -hmm. The speaker's a driver. Um, Usually, like, right in the middle of it or off to the side, depending. I think the EMT ones, uh, which are the the famous German ones that a lot of them were based off of, were slightly off to the side of the the middle. And I believe it's... uh, I think they're... I forget the exact dimension, so I'm just going to shut up about that. Nah, nah, but they're it's they're it's, large. It's a few. Uh, I think it's between two and three yards across, and between one and two yards tall. Mm-hmm. So they're really big. Um, so what happens is this driver kind of shakes the middle of the plate, and uh, I, I remember Ooh. the the very first ones only had one kind of pickup, basically a contact mic, you know towards the edge of the plate in one direction or another and EMT started doing stereo ones where they would have two later on and uh, it's just like you, you send the the signal to the amplifier that, that shakes the plate it's, it's basically just shaking a uh, very very thin metal plate so you know if you you're there in the room tapping it it would go whoosh Oh, okay, I got it. It's not like ribbon mic thin, but it's... No, it's mm-hmm. not. Mm-hmm. No, it's, it's actually... You can get this kind of thickness of metal at metal shops. Gotcha. It's, it's pretty thin, but... You know, if you've ever dealt with aluminum flashing, it's probably about mm-hmm. that, that thickness. Okay. You tap it, and it goes whoosh. Gotcha. And uh, you, that gets really... That gets stretched out. They actually have these tensioners. There's a bunch of different ways that people figured out to tension them. And uh, I think EMT used some sort of spring clip to just kind of pull it taut. So it was... And that, that's it. That is much less complicated than I thought they it's were. It's very simple. Because I, I, just seeing pictures of them from the outside, it's like, well, there's got to be a lot of business going on in there. Well, some of them have uh, the, these kind of dampener things that, uh, that you use some sort of, uh, whatchamacallit, just kind of stepped motor to move uh, away from the plate and towards the plate to uh, and that's actually your de- decay time oh okay and uh, it, it goes to you know within you know a couple millimeters off the plate or whatever to all the way to like five centimeters so off it's, it's mechanically adjusted yep. on, on them okay yep and wow. they use some sort of servo motor for that on some of them and others you just I think moved the the pad away <laughs> oh just broke it away kind of like a just, you know. there was all all sorts of different options for it. I guess very interesting. I, I'd probably, I'm probably not going to make one with servo motors, to be honest with you. <laughs> but I will make it so it sounds good. Well, what's new? <laughs> <laughs> so recently, um, kind of uh, separate from the Benson Amp stuff, you had a recent Kickstarter that went oh, yeah. quite. Nicely, if I understand correctly. Yeah, yeah. So one of my fa- so I'm part owner in this pedal company called Harbin Audio um, that I started with my buddy Steve, who owns this modular synth company here in town called Synthrotech, and he's got a bunch of bunch of elves working on his stuff all the time. He's got 
Got ten guys. Love synth stuff. They're all synth geeks. Um, but he uh, doesn't know anything about guitar gear, and I do. And uh, so basically this company consists of me drawing schematics up of either pedals that are in my brain or pedals that don't exist anymore that I, that I want to exist. <laughs> right. And uh, be like, we should make this. And, and they say, why? <laughs> yeah, Steve just kind of does it, man. He's just like, all right, man, you're the guitar guy. That's cool. And uh, so we, we just did a Kickstarter for, for an Octave Fuzz, which is a, a pretty faithful reproduction of a Unibox Super Fuzz, which is one of my favorite pedals, um, except with you know updated things like Tree Bypass and, and LED... And uh, I actually kind of goosed the gain uh, a little bit um, in the back end of the circuit, so you can actually get the the fuzz signal to be a lot louder than the uh, than the clean signal, which is not something that the original Univox Super Fuzz featured. Okay. So yeah, we based it off like the '70s one with the the orange one with the the kind of blue pads, which actually had a little trim pot inside that you can dial in the uh, the octave effect. Very nice. That by, um, by ear. <laughs> I I want one just from looking at it. I mean, the, that fuzz is kind of. I mean, for some people, that's the holy grail of fuzz pedals, which is kind of ironic considering most of the other Univox line was not the holy grail of anything. They had some really wicked stuff, but I wouldn't hear anybody <laughs> calling it the holy grail. I don't know, man. <laughs> One of my favorite amps of all time is Univox U45B, which is a little 112 combo. I don't think I've think seen that. It's insane. Yeah? They're, they're kind of rare, but they sound so good. They're one of my favorite guitar amps. What is there anything a little more familiar that you would compare it to? <sighs> Probably a Tweed Deluxe or something like that okay. with tremolo built in. Nice. These oh, weird tubes. Um, I I actually it's weird. I don't know if it's on purpose because it was basically just like a bunch of Japanese not guitar players who were designing this stuff. Right. That's what I'm gathering. Like um, people who just wanted to kind of put a product out, like yeah. more or less. Yeah. They wanted to sell something. <laughs> Then <laughs> um, th that doesn't always translate to like good tone or kind of a, a cool thing, but Univox, for the most part, has been pretty great. And they're well, I mean, the sound's most important, but the aesthetics on everything they did was freaking sick. Yeah. It looks all their stuff looks so cool, mm -hmm. and I don't know if that's because I like retro seventies type of things or what, but they. Their amps, their pedals, some of their kind of clone guitars and whatnot. Mm -hmm. It's like, man, those guys know what's up as far as looks go. It's, <laughs> and apparently they they do with the with circuits. Uh, I, I somehow think so. they yeah. they make this tiny little tube, you know, not tube. I'm sorry, little transistor tape echo about this big. I guess you can't really see this internet, <laughs> um, but it's like I don't know, maybe nine inches wide by three and a half inches tall this little little tape echo that sounds insane what's it like is it like cassette based or what do they use for a cartridge the, the funny thing about this is they actually use these uh 
I'm probably not saying it right, but like dictaphone cassettes, basically these these old cartridges that people use in these machines to record, you know, business conversations. Okay. Um, oh, okay. I know what you're talking about. They probably are saying that correctly. That sounds right in my uneducated and, and no one knew where to get these cassettes for years, but I have a buddy here in town who used to advertise. He, he figured out where they got these cassettes for the Univox tape echoes because everyone was like, yeah, mine's useless. I can't find the cassette anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> he figured out it was like the old dictaphone cassettes and he just bought a stockpile of them he was selling them <laughs> out of the back of this recording magazine and his his kind of business name was Real Bastard with you know R-E-E-L okay. Bastard <laughs> right um, because he'll tell he told me that he just felt like a real bastard because he, he bought them for 50 cents and he was selling them for like 20 bucks then he didn't feel too bad then He's feeling all right. Not, not bad enough to, <laughs> to not, not do, do it. it. <laughs> but then again, if I had that Echo and it was like 20 bucks to get it back rocking. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't, even if I knew the guy was making that much money on it, I wouldn't hesitate. I would I would grab it. If I couldn't find it anywhere else, yeah, definitely. Yeah, 20, 20 bucks is nothing for a good, you know, tape Echo. That's that's awesome. And uh, a lot less than you would pay for a full-tone yeah, Echoplex cartridge these days. Definitely. Speaking of that, have you seen? And if you have, what's your opinion on that T Rex tape echo that's coming out? That's cassette based. That looks pretty sick to me. But I haven't heard of it. But I've wanted to do a cassette based one for a long time. It's yeah, I can't remember what they called it. I think it's. Well, I think it's supposed to be coming out here pretty soon. They debuted it at. I think they debuted it at Winter Name last year, if I'm not mistaken, but it... This is... Is this a full-time? No, T-Rex. T-Rex. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, and, uh... I'm pretty sure it's T-Rex. I'm gonna, I might have to fact-check myself on that. If I'm wrong, I'll, I'll notate it. But I'm pretty sure it's T-Rex. Uh, I think it was made... They were having it made in Denmark. And, it, yeah, it was this little cassette-based uh, pedal tape delay, and... Oh, it was a replicator. It was called the replicator. Oh. That shouldn't have been that oh, hard that to kind remember. Of sounds familiar. Yeah, it was pretty gnarly looking. I don't know anybody that's put their hands on one yet, but I'm sure out there on the interweb somebody has uh, can chime in on that. Interesting. Well, I think it's a great idea. Yeah. Hey, there's there's room for more than one. That's that's for sure. Yeah. Totally. So as far as delays go, would you say that a tape best based tape based effect would be kind of your go to, or do you have others you kind of like? I'm I'm a big like old school bucket brigade guy just from the sound and yeah, I mean I I love the sound tape delays, but <clears throat> you know I've only actually brought one to a show once or twice, and then I was like. This is really stupid. This is a heavy <laughs> electromechanical device that is, you know, it's going to break. Yeah, there's a lot of moving parts there. And I'm not going to have delay for the show, and also I'm going to have to fix it. Yeah. So uh, I don't I don't bring them around, really. Um, I My favorite delay is, you know, just a straight-up Deluxe Memory Man. Mm-hmm. You know, I have one of the, the old AC 
yes. uh, AC power ones, and I just, I love it. it. It's hard to, you can't really go wrong with them, in my <laughs> no. opinion. I, And then Behringer actually made a clone of those, um, <laughs> which they didn't market at all. I, I don't know why no one knows about them. The, the vintage time machine. I and they're using, this is news to me, so news yeah, to everyone. The the new they're using the uh the cool audio chips. Right. Which is uh you know, not the same thing as doesn't sound the same. No. Um like the it's not like the M N three oh zero zero five or yeah. I think that's kind of the big one. Yeah, the the five or the eight. Mm-hmm. Um but they sounded pretty good. And they sounded a little darker. And I, I used one of those for a couple of years and then someone traded me a memory man for a couple Harbin pebbles, and I was like, alright. Well, I guess I'll just put a $400 pedal on my board. Sure, why not? <laughs> you only have one life. I mean, yeah. whatever. Hey, you gotta have the best mojo that you can possibly have, and they're, that's tough to beat as far as delays go. That's got mojo going on like no one's business, other than a tape delay. I love those things. Yeah, and tape, you know, tape delays are awesome. You know, I've used echoplexes a lot in recording, and the more broken they are, usually the the cooler results. Yeah, <laughs> the more gnarly it gets. That's that's kind of why I like some of these ones that have come out that have the uh, the effects loop in it. You can mm-hmm. you can mimic uh, broken stuff by putting fuzzes in the on the repeats and things of that nature. Uh, it's just kind of. Something I have a lot of fun with. I've had some ridiculous results <laughs> putting I'm stuff sure. in, in an effects loop of a of a delay pedal. It's like wow. Well, I mean, it, it, I hear a lot of crazy sounds. You know, as a repair tech, you know, when when something's broken in the right way, it can sound pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, is that something you ever try to explore? Like, like what is that? You know, hey. if I had like, if I had more time, I would probably mess. Usually, I'm just trying to get something out the door and make make sure it's you know it doesn't break. Mm-hmm. But um, I I have some ideas for that kind of thing. I, I want to make something where you can actually lift the ground on the first filter cap. In, in you know an amp preamp where mm-hmm. it'll just start ghost noting and get get really gnarly and yes. just make that like a switchable effect. I, but I, I just haven't yet. <laughs> Time right? Because it sounds really cool. I mean, it's, it'll play these weird subharmonics that have nothing to do. That's something that a, that I mean, I'm. I don't know if I've heard it. That's not something I, I don't know what that sounds like. That's 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 a new new one to me. It just sounds broken. <laughs> I, but, oh well, cool. I do know what that sounds like. But if you can take that broken sound and you know, be like, no, this is what it's supposed to do. Mm-hmm. But people would be kind of stoked. Like, yeah, there's this thing that makes these random lower tones. Right. You know, while while you play, that's that's what this thing does. Okay, to be used. You know, artistically, but I, I hear a lot of stuff that can probably be be used musically. It all, I mean, I guess you want to get all Sonic Youth on it. You, it'd be tougher to find something that couldn't be used than <laughs> than some some things. I mean, I've heard some crazy stuff that 
ended up on the record. Oh, that hey, and hey, that worked out. But uh, I'm yeah. sure you've heard a lot more than I have uh, fixing broken things. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it, it it actually you know it gets old, and I have to remind myself, you know, this is just sound, and uh, just kind of trying to maintain that childish outlook mm-hmm. in terms of just like wow that sounds neat instead of oh my god that sounds broken like, I gotta oh it's it. messed up I gotta fix it yeah like wait a second hmm which I, I think is you know that that's something that a lot of recording engineers struggle with as well well does it sound cool does it sound right I mean I think a lot of people are just concerned with making it sound right um but there's a lot of things that aren't don't sound right that sound amazing and if you just kind of approach it from a different perspective if you can kind of step out of your engineer shoes for a second yeah yeah and then I can definitely relate to that that I've um, not because I'm an engineer but because I've butted heads with the engineer and I'm like no that that sounds cool that's what I want like yeah but listen to it it sounds like trash I'm like, listen to it in the mix. Like, sometimes things... Actually, I was working on a blog post about that. Tonemob.com. Sometimes, in my opinion, things that aren't... I mean, they don't necessarily sound right by themselves. Like, I was recording this super tinny, super almost ear-piercing telly track. Like, I had... A Telecaster bridge pickup plugged into, uh, I believe like a, de- a deluxe reverb, and I I had cranked the treble and stuff because, in my mind, that song sounded super dark, and I just gave it some ring out chords, and the engineer was telling me, oh, I don't know, that's that's going to be super bright, and then just sitting it in the mix at the same level as everything else, it w- we sat back and listened to it, and it's like, oh no, that's right. Now. That's not to say I'm any kind of sound engineer. I just knew the sound the the song sounded too dark. Well, you saw my Instagram post yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Dad, how do I become a sound engineer? Poof, poof, you are son. <laughs> just like that. Yeah, yeah, that is about about how it goes. There's there's not exactly a qualification program, which is a a good thing in my opinion. Lens do uh, some more creativity, but then again, I've had pretty good luck with most engineers that I've dealt with. So. It's a good and bad thing. I mean, you you really have to you have to find the right mix in a person. I mean, you you got to find the guy who's not afraid to make something you know sound not like it should, mm-hmm. um, but you know lends itself to the song. So it's all about the song to me. It 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 totally is. It I mean good guitar tone is good guitar tone, but like a good big muff tone by itself can sound awful with the rest of the song. So like if it don't work, it don't work and I think a, myself included, a lot of people get lost in that like but my tone is uh, was it was so good and oh yeah yeah I mean that that's the that's the whole thing about I mean I, I let don't get me wrong I love Fender amps mm-hmm. um, 
Fender amps sound fantastic, usually when played by themselves. Right. But I've been in so many situations where someone recorded this gorgeous clean guitar part with the Fender. And, you know, Fender, you know, even if, if, even if you have the tone controls straight up and down, the thing has a mid-scoop a mile wide it and does. a mile deep. Yeah. You're hearing the bass and the treble, and you're not hearing much mid-range, and that's why it sounds so good by itself. That's why tone guides are like, this is my awesome tone. <laughs> They'll strum the Fender amp, and it'll just sound glassy and deep and beautiful. Mm-hmm. And you get that sort of sound in a band situation where there's cymbals that are occupying the high end and you have a bass guitar and a kick drum occupying the low end and all of a sudden the guitar's function is to occupy the mid-range that's pretty much what a guitar speaker is for anyways that's, that's what it's good at and you get that beautiful fender tone into a mix and all of a sudden it, it disappears because there's Nothing in the mid-range. Yeah, it's not there. That I usually relate that to big muff stuff more, just because well, big I, muffs are massively scooped in yeah, the mid-range. Too. Yeah, I because I I run my fenders with some more mid-range on purpose, anticipating that. Because uh, that is my. I mean, I'm the uh, I'm the tone guy. That's yep. me right there that you just described. Actually. I, I really honestly did do a blog post about being a tone guy. And you might get a kick out of that. That, that one's pretty funny. <clears throat> Shameless plug. Uh, uh, but yeah, it it's it's kind of funny because yeah, everybody gets caught up in their own sound, and sometimes that isn't right. Sometimes it actually needs to sound bad on its own to sound good with the rest of the band, which True is story. which is very hard for some people to grasp and it took yep. me a while to figure that out myself so. well it, I mean it's a, it's a simple concept but it's something that I think people have to kind of come to that conclusion on their own mm-hmm. I mean they're like no this is an amazing tone that I just got listen to it like how how would this be bad on a record they're like well dude you, you've got like this huge like you know 10 dB spike at like 100 hertz that is right where the kick drum punch is supposed mm-hmm. to be and no, dude. Well, it, I was talking to somebody um, uh, via email in, uh, recently, um, and they were having problems standing out in the mix. Now, this didn't end up being their problem. The problem was their other person was just too loud. <laughs> and uh, at least from what I gathered from the, the video they sent me, I that's what I could... I mean, they sounded great, and then their other person came on, and they were just too loud. This was an iPhone video... Actually, uh, who was that? Oh, that was uh, Emily Wolf Music, yeah, that sent that in. Hmm. Um, so if she's listening, this is who I'm talking about. Your tone sounded good. Hey, Emily. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we, we did talk about, because before I, I heard the track, I was curious. Like, oh, well, I wonder if maybe she's too scooped in the mids, um, just from what she's describing. And I kind of talked to her I said well your tone can be the best thing on on the planet but if nobody can hear you it really doesn't matter at the end of the day yep so that's kind of the unfortunate truth of it is uh, if nobody can hear your tone 
your best tone is the worst tone because no, it's not, it's non-existent. Yep. I mean, th- there's there's songs, there's certain songs where it's just like an electric guitar and a vocal, or the electric guitar is supposed to be occupying all those frequencies, and that that's when that kind of thing works great. Mm-hmm. But and, and that's actually you know Leo Fender designed the electric guitar amplifier for that the pickups he basically wanted a massive scoop in the mid-range because he wanted it to be electric guitar and someone's vocals right there where it was scooped out that makes a lot of sense he he thought that was that was a function of uh, of an electric guitar in a mix that was before the, was the days of yeah. massive kick drum mm. and bright bright cymbals you know recording technology probably couldn't even you know, replicate what a symbol sounded like until, you know, the late 50s or whatever. Oh, yeah, well, let alone those super low kick drums that make the needle jump off. That just... Exactly. Yeah. So that, that that's kind of why Fender amps sound the way they do, and that was on purpose, because you, you have this kind of mid-rangey recording, and you, you, you basically had to fight that every step of the way to get something other than just mid-range. Yeah. And we don't struggle with that today. No. No, not at all. No, we got more options and we know what to do with, so... And, I mean, when I, you know, I, I engineer records, and pretty much everything gets some sort of high-pass filter because there's just a lot of frequencies, like, way down there that you, you don't need, and they're actually going to disrupt the entire mix. Right. You know, I, I don't use anything below 50 hertz. Uh, most instruments get, you know, some sort of high-pass filter at, like, at least 200. You, a lot of them all the way up to, like, 750. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Yep. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm super... Uh, I've, I've been involved in that, but I, I kind of did it with the, my ears and not my eyeballs, so I kind of didn't know what frequencies was what, because... I basically had our engineer. He was getting he's he was getting worn out. Like <laughs> that poor guy. He <laughs> he was doing a lot of uh, a lot of mixing on his spare time at, late at night, and he's just like, I need another set of ears on this. And so I wouldn't look. He would just do. Does that sound better or does that sound better? And sometimes the frequencies, I had no idea what he was adjusting. Mm-hmm. And then I turn around and look, and I. My mind would be blown. Oh yeah, I mean that's you. You just gotta mix with your ears. I mean that that's why people love mixing with consoles because you know it it says twenty k or whatever, but you don't really know. No. A lot of times it's like way out. You you just gotta use your ears, and if you're if you're adjusting to the numbers that you know someone told you, that's it's wrong. Yeah. Well, it could. I mean, it, because. If you're adjusting to numbers, that could be to completely different frequencies. I mean, they told you to scoop out whatever, but they recorded way more frequencies than you did. So, who knows? Or yep. vice versa. I don't know. That's way at, way out of my league. My league is, does this fuzz pedal make me happy or not? That's... <laughs> <laughs> that is... That's my league... Um, and, uh, how much distortion can I put on one amplifier? Yeah. Just because I think it's funny. I mean, I, I would say I'm, I'm definitely an amp builder and designer by trade, but the, the recording thing is like a, a pretty strong hobby. 
yeah. of mine. So I, I just like, I, I like nerding out about that stuff. Pro audio equipment's a major hobby of mine. I mean, you had a, a giant tape machine here a couple months ago oh, yeah. that I seen. I don't remember what it was though. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. you, you were probably here when I had my Rams the console too. Yeah, I had a, an Atari uh, four-track half-inch uh, MX fifty fifty, uh, which sounded awesome. Um, I've, I've had a lot of different tape decks over the years, and it was definitely the the most pro one I've ever had. And I had a nice Rams the console, which is they're they're cool. They they sound really good. I mean, the pre's kind of sound a little API-ish, and I eventually had to get rid of all that stuff just because I, I need room in my shop. <laughs> you do. You. I mean, it's a decent-sized shop, and, and it's like, oh, there's an amp, there's an amp, there's an amp. Oh, there's an amp. Oh, I didn't see that over there. That's, yep. I mean, it's it's crazy, which is, a, I mean, it's a good problem to have, but uh, it's just interesting. Uh, so I, I don't generally do repair at home. Because I try to keep, you know, the repair business separate. I've been working at Old Town Music mm-hmm. as repair tech two days a week. And I have a... I try to just do the new amps here. And I have a couple guys helping me out with that. Who come and they expect, you know, a clean work environment. <laughs> well, that's that's too much to ask that's for. Too, that, yeah, that's you, too bad. Yeah, you can't have that. I counted 15 amps in my shop earlier today that people dropped off for repair. <laughs> like, here you go. I'm gonna like, just shut my mouth and pretend that I've never had anything to do with that. I, I I have a have. mountain of amps in my shop that uh they just kind of keep getting dropped off. I think I might have to declare a moratorium uh, <laughs> on buddy repairs. At, at fifteen, it, it it's yeah you're getting into uh you're getting into some serious time. I mean, it's kind of a liability too. I mean, they're all like vintage Fenders and they're they're pretty nice amps. Yeah. Like, yeah, I just have like 15 amps that don't belong to me in my shop. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I gotta stop doing that. But, but not for me, right? Yeah, exactly. That's everyone. I think we're all right, yeah. Come on, man. Hey, dude, are we still cool? Yeah, are we still cool? Come on. Come on. (laughs) Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, no. That's something I do all the time is, yeah, no. But yeah, no, I totally yeah, no. get it. <laughs> Man, that's like you say though. Yeah, that's that is a good problem to have. It's it's mm-hmm. good, man. I mean, mm-hmm. like a a few years ago when I moved to Portland, I didn't know anyone like that. I I would have that would have made me so happy. But now it just stresses me out. Yeah. It just oh gosh, makes makes it harder for me to sleep at night. <laughs> It's a good problem. You're right. I just have to <laughs> learn how to manage the uh, that different kind of stress. Yeah, that's a completely different. I keep saying yeah. That's getting really annoying to everyone. But uh... <laughs> so let's rewind a, l- a little bit deeper. You're not an overdrive pedal fan most of the time. Well, I designed my Monarch amp to basically do the same thing that. It- most people use an overdrive pedal for, mm-hmm. um, except you know, obviously it's always on. But I feel like most people use overdrive pedals for the compression. 
mm-hmm. you know, they they, I can't, they usually I add a little dirt. Do. They they add a little dirt, but it's the compression that people are, you know, you, you got you got notes that ring out all of a sudden, and you have, you know, it's actually touch sensitive. T- compression equals touch sensitivity. Right. Um, it's just, you know, you you can get different tones depending on your pick attack, but one's not a whole lot louder than another. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's kind of, I guess, my schema on the whole. Thing. But yeah, that, I designed the Monarch to do that. By the way, Eric Gurley has a nice touch sensitivity video with the uh, Vincent Monarch. Uh, <laughs> that me and my buddies have l- laughed at so many times. That is brilliant. I feel like most people, you know, we haven't had a whole lot of feedback on that. I don't understand that. We have laughed. We've we have watched that so many times. That's going in the show hysterical. I think it is absolutely hilarious. And, well, both of those videos that you guys did with the, um, Robbie, Robbie, Robbie Augsburger. Yeah. Those are phenomenal. And I cannot believe, <laughs> I can't believe that people don't, don't blow those up because I, we've watched the crap out of this. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess most people don't like Tim and Eric and it's kind of that kind of comedy. E, and, and there again, me and my buddies, fans of them, so... <laughs> There's that. Yeah, I mean, we we might be just barking up the wrong tree. You know, I really wouldn't think so, but... I wouldn't think so either. Mm-hmm. Most people who are into tone and, you know, guitars are... A little bit goofball. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're just, you know, they, they care about this thing that obviously no one's going to make money off of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, they're, they're not in it for the money. They're no. not in it for, like, the social... Blah blah blah. No, they just—I don't know. <laughs> and for the nerding aspect, but no, when they when you guys got to watch this, I'm serious. Yep, just type in Eric Early touch sensitivity, <laughs> or or the Eric Early switches video. The I switches is great. Hysterical too. Eric's pedal corner. <laughs> that's not a separate video, but that's in the touch sensitivity yeah, I, one, I think. I really thought that thing would go viral. I did too. Me and Robbie were just doubling over, laughing, editing that thing. Uh, we were like, "This is the greatest gear gear demo video of all time." You know, you, you could hear like the soft rain falling outside. Uh, yes, <laughs> when it was released, it was just like, <laughs> "Oh, I mean, I can't. I, I feel like I've watched it more times than I should." To be honest, <laughs> I've watched that video so many times. It it, and maybe it's just because I I I don't know have the uh, relationship. But I I thought that was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. And I'm a Blitz and Trapper oh, fan you. also, yeah. as all as is uh, the rest of the guys that uh, I know find that hilarious. So yeah, we'll be linking to that, and everyone will say you you're an idiot. That, it's not funny you guys are just stupid yeah man trust me you don't want to link to it that's like that's committing social media suicide because uh, no one thinks that's funny except apparently us two that, <laughs> that's impossible that's impossible Tim and Eric could not have been on the air for that long and only us two find that kind of stuff funny that's 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 ridiculous yeah they're scratching some sort of itch <laughs> Well, we've been going pretty long. I 
as of I could I could go all night. I know, I know you could too, but uh, we might have to do a part two on this. Yeah, this I'm point. into it. Uh, yeah, we'll we... talk more uh, more craziness, but uh, yeah, we're up in uh, we're we're literally up in an attic with no AC in a uh, hundred degree weather, well, sweating. I mean, um, it's a finished attic. Well, it's a nice attic. It is. It's a actually that's a. Not gonna lie, this is one of the nicest addicts I've ever seen, but uh, doesn't change the fact that we are roasting our our brains out. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're probably already at work already, so we we you've probably turned this off. Now, <laughs> so for Chris Benson of Benson Amps and Blake Wyland of Tone Mob, as always, good luck and good tones. Thanks for having me, Blake. And uh, thanks for having me, Internet. Yo, we'll do it again. One last thing before we totally sign off here. I just want to remind you that if you do any shopping at Stringjoy, that's Stringjoy Guitar Strings made in Nashville, that will help me out as well. As I've said for years, I'm heavily involved in that company. And I really do think they're making the best products on the market. So if you would like to try custom strings, go to ToneMob.com Stringjoy and check them out today. I seriously, seriously, seriously love what the team down there is doing. I help them out with all kinds of things. And by you supporting them, you are also supporting me as well. And hey, you need some strings, so why not get some custom strings just for your guitar and playing style. Again, the link for that is tonemob.com stringjoy, and that will take you right to their website, and you can do all your shopping through there, and that will help everyone involved out. So thank you very much. Talk to you next time. We are brought to you by the wonderful folks at Gun Street Wiring Shop. Yes, Gun Street Wiring Shop. I've talked about them before. I used to say based out of Bend, Oregon, but guess what? Sean moved to my neck of the woods. Sean's in Portland. Sean is awesome and has helped me with a bunch of stuff lately. And if you have wiring needs for your guitar, he can help you too. If you want to get weird with it, he can get weird. If you just need to spruce things up a little bit, there's your guy. He takes all the guesswork out of doing your guitar wiring, and he makes it simple, and his customer service is top-notch, and I can't say enough good things about Gunstreet as a company. I really respect Sean and what he's all about, and the product is top-notch. I've got... Three different guitars that now have Gun Street harnesses in them, and I could not be happier. So go to GunStreetWiringShop.com and check them out.